Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Hi, listeners, and welcome back to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Menzel, and as promised, I'm going to call the News Corp reporter who is in Bristol getting ready for the first Australian game of the World Cup. Australia takes on Afghanistan this Saturday night. So let's get you up to speed with all the news surrounding the Aussie team with Sam Landsberger, who's over there covering the tournament. So let's give him a call now. Good morning. Sammy, it's Manners. How are you? Very well, thank you, Manners. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Sound like you've um, had a late night, touring life, uh, getting the better of you. You're out partying. And not, not out partying, out working late. Um, the time zones aren't the friendliest over here, so up till about 2am writing stories for the newspapers, but that's all part of the fun. It's, uh, it's going very well. Well, welcome back to the podcast. Listeners, of course, we've got Sam Landsberger, reporter for the Herald Sun. So, but look, before we get started, Sam, I just want to um, play something for you. But basically, I busted you sucking up to the Aussie coach with some inane AFL chat. So just have a listen to this. <laughs> but if we keep sticking that, history's showing that we'll be pretty good, I think. Lee Ryan Michael, are you? Say again? Lee Ryan Michael. Oh, what about leading up to it? Like he took the mark on at, just in front of centre wing and then gave it to Josh Kennedy, then sprints down there and oh, Liam Ryan, oh, what a player, mate. What a player. Oh. Now, Sammy, you've dug yourself a bit of a hole here. Firstly, you busted. There you go, trying to get the better of the Aussie coach. But also, your team's playing the Aussie coach's team this weekend. So, what are you going to do if your team wins? 
Tell you what, I actually didn't even realise that I'm so out of the AFL bubble, which will shock you, but you're right. I think it's 8, 10 a.m. Sunday morning. I had forgotten about that one. I might have to send a, a cheeky text if the dogs do get up, although I don't like our chances. I think JL will be pretty happy again this weekend. His Eagles will probably win by about 10 goals, so I might be pretty sheepish at the, at the next press conference. Yeah, is Justin Langer taking a bit of an affection to you now that he knows you're, you're mad on your AFL like him? Well, we did have a... Uh, a I did have a one-on-one with him last week and halfway through the conversation, he brought AFL into it and then he paused and he says, I know you do love your footy. And so he gave us a, I think he compared, um, he compared an aspect of Australia's game to watching West Coast face Greater Western Sydney three years ago where the Giants were just too fast. So, I was very impressed that he went down that uh, down that avenue with me. So I think we're we're on each other's wavelengths when it comes to footy. So you can expect more clips like that throughout the summer. So I'm sure you'll be really excited by that. <laughs> well, I like your tactic of uh, sucking up to the Aussie coach. All right. Well, <laughs> let's get straight into the news. Australia's World Cup campaign campaign begins this weekend, but uh, there's some concerns over the fitness of David Warner. Do you think he's going to turn out in that first game? I think it's looking more and more likely like that he'll miss, to be honest. He had a bit of a bat at training yesterday. He didn't field, and he looked a little bit sore when he did bat as well. Maybe the cover drives weren't quite coming off as uh, as easily as he would have liked. So I think he is a chance to miss. Um, it's a long tournament. Obviously, yeah, everyone plays their, their nine group games before possible finals. So I don't think there's any rush to get him right for Afghanistan. And if he does miss, it solves the, the batting lineup because three don't go into two. And we've known for a while now that Marsh, Kawaja and Stoinis have probably been fighting for two spots. But if Warner misses out, they'll all play. It might solve a little bit of a selection problem if he does miss, and I think it's slowly heading that way. What about uh, the problem with Warner? So it's a glute muscle problem, and you know how serious is it? How concerned should uh, the supporters be? Well, look, he walked in the nets yesterday, so I don't think it's going to be a long-term one. Australia's got, I think, a, a five-day break until the second game. I can't see him missing more than one game. He's already missed one week. He, he battled against England on, on last Saturday, which was May 25. He missed the Sri Lanka game on May 27. So he's already had a week off. I don't think it's going to be a long-term one. Given that he was moving yesterday, yeah, I don't think there's, there's too many concerns, but... Yeah, he's certainly no no guarantee to line up against Afghanistan. Well, that's going to be a big exclusion if he's not fit. Now, if he had been fit, which way do you think the the selection panel and Langer and the captain were tracking with the selectors selection? Do you think Stoinis or Sean Marsh or Kawaja was going to miss out? It's a really good question. I, I would I would have been staggered if Kawaja missed out purely on what he's put out there this year. You know, I think 200s, 250s, uh, another 89 on Monday. I know it was against a, a weak Sri Lanka, but just so many runs at the top, and he's so important to the way Australia plays. I mean, their whole game plan for this World Cup is going to be conserve wickets and go really hard at the end, make sure you're, you're not 5-6 down at the 40th over. So given he, he's able to, to bat through and put really big scores on the board, I, I think he's stuck. And we've all thought for a long time that Stoinis has to play. He's the, he's the only all-rounder with his skill set in the squad. There's no backup. 
Um, if if they you know if they don't play him, they are really calling on Glenn Maxwell and maybe Steve Smith to get through that fifth bowling rotation. But I was surprised they definitely did have that conversation last week. Um, they talked about what the lineup would look like if they played Sean Marsh at five and Maxwell as the only all rounder at number six. So that suggests to me that they were certainly considering leaving Stornis out. I, I think that one was on a nice edge. I wasn't sure which way that was going to go between Marsh or Stoinis. I know JL is a big Sean Marsh fan. Uh, when I spoke to him last week, he referenced the fact that he was averaging about 60 in one-day cricket over the past 12 months. I looked that up. Yeah, average of, I think, 57 in his last 17 ODIs. So obviously, the two centuries in England last year as well. So plays the conditions really well. So... Oh, yeah, that one was, was really hard to call, but they certainly did canvas leaving Stoinis out, which I think shocked a lot of people. Yeah, I don't like that idea because I think it just puts the balance of the side out. Sean Marsh at yeah. five, just not enough power. I mean, we've talked about Stoinis and Maxwell having a lot of responsibility with the big hitting. You know, you take Stoinis out and it's all on Maxwell. You're right, absolutely. And you also lose Marcus Stoinis's death bowling ability. I mean, that that's probably a... An area Australia is a little bit vulnerable. We know how good Mitchell Stark and Pat Cummins will be up front, but the, you know the, they are a little bit vulnerable at the end. And Marcus Stoinis will give them another option from that point of view. And you know, given Stoinis's bowling, you have to question whether they would get that much more out of Marsh the batsman opposed to Stoinis the batsman. So it didn't make a lot of sense to me, but it was certainly talked about. Now, how good has Steve Smith looked? since you've been over there? He's just a freak. Oh, he, he, like, oh, it's quite funny. You speak to all his teammates, you speak to his coaches, and they just they keep raving about how much he just loves cricket. He's shadow batting everywhere, and he really is. I'll, I'll go back to the first training session in Southampton, which is about nine days ago. Uh, it was an optional session. It was only basically for the fast bowlers. So you had the four fast bowlers, and only two batsmen rocked up, and they were Usman Kawadra and Steve Smith. Everyone else was on the golf course, and Smith put in a good four or five hours. They literally had to drag him off at the end. He, he, he ran back to the pavilion at one stage with all his kid on, and we all thought, my goodness, he either needs to go to the bathroom quite badly or he's late for a team meeting. No, nah, he was just dropping his batting gear so he could run back and do another hour or so of slips catching with Ricky Ponting and Brad Haddon. So he just loves it so much. He's that dedicated, and, yeah, he's, he's fiddled in seamlessly. He actually played a uh, strummer guitar on the hallway on the team bus from Southampton to Bristol. So serenading his teammates as well. Uh, he's fitting in really well. And look, he's clearly the form batsman. What's he averaging? 130 in his five practice games. Uh, go, he goes into this World Cup as a key player when there were probably a few question marks on him a couple of months ago from some people. So it's been really impressive to see. Just yeah, every every aspect so far has been impressive, including his league spin bowling. Have you noticed um, Smith and Warner slowly um, becoming more comfortable around the team environment? Yeah, and I think that's just natural. I think in Brisbane they were a little bit reserved. If we go back to the training camp a few weeks ago when they played New Zealand in a few games, um, I think um, from speaking to uh, to their teammates that in team meetings that week, they maybe didn't put their hands up as much as they, they used to, but I think it is slowly reverting back to the norm. They're having a little bit more of a say and Obviously, when they're in the runs, um, that helps. Steve Smith, you, you can't question what he's put out there. And David Warner made a pretty impressive 43 against England last week. So they both have looked good with the bat. And I think they are taking more and more responsibility, particularly Smith. Good one. Now, what about the skipper, Aaron Finch? 
How's he been looking at the crease? Because I'm a bit worried about his form in this World Cup. And uh, yeah, how's his sort of uh, attitude been? And, uh, you know, he must be getting nervous now heading into the World Cup. I'm not sure Aaron Finch does get too nervous. I think he's a pretty unflappable character. I think he's okay. Look, I understand why some people say there's a little bit of pressure on him, but Australia's gone all in with Finch. I mean, they they had to, they had a really difficult situation probably about two months ago when he was horribly out of form, but he flipped the switch in India, didn't he, with that 93, and he's put on some really good scores since. Look, he's not going to come off every innings, but if he can lay the platform, I I, I think he'll certainly be a really important part, but his captaincy is just so good. I mean, he's just what this team needed right now. Uh, so from that point of view, they're, they're really, really happy. But JL has said a few times that runs are the best currency. So he, he does have to make runs. He, he has a t- he's had a tendency over the last probably two weeks to get himself in and then get out without making a big score. So if he can put a big score on early in the tournament, I think all pressure will be off. Now you're in Bristol the scene of Ben Stokes' infamous incident uh, from well, about 18 months ago. I thought you might ago. go there. <laughs> uh, I hope you haven't been hitting any of those nightclubs. Hitting, nice pun there from you. Oh, I actually Googled it last night. Embargo is the nightclub. It was about 700 metres away, and I was just finishing off my work. I thought, should I go for one? But no, I, I didn't. So we might have more to report next time. I might have to go back to the scene of the crime and, and just check it out. But no, no, no nothing to report there just yet. Good one. Now, how's the um, the cricket ground looking? You know, what do you think the Aussies will need to do? Will they need a, a second spinner or a third quick in this opening game? Oh, my gut feel is they'll go for the third quick. I think Nathan Coulton is in the box seat right now. Um, I think given I expect Pat Cummins to take the new ball with Mitchell Stark, that probably bumps Jason Berendorf down the order a little bit because if, you, if you're opening with Stark and Cummins, you, you might not play Berendorf. And I think Coulton Isle is ahead of Kane Richardson, who was the last player picked in the squad. So I, I think they'll go with Coulton Isle. The other interesting part of this is it, it's against Afghanistan. Now, you would imagine that the Afghanistan batsmen are probably a little bit more comfortable facing spin given how much they would receive at training and, and at home. So um, I, I think 40 overs or you know 30 plus overs of really fast express pace will unsettle the Afghanistan batsmen more. So I think Nathan Lyon is unlikely to play. However, against the West Indies in the second game, they've just got so many left-handers. I think Lyon's a really good chance to, to make his World Cup debut next week. Yeah. Now you wrote an interesting article about some advice Glenn Maxwell gave to Adam Zampa. I was just wondering if you could tell the listeners what that advice was. Yeah, look, I think this goes to, to, to Maxie's probably impressive streak of leadership. Three games into the ODI series in India, Australia was obviously down 1-2 at that stage. I think Matt Zampa had taken five or so wickets, so his, his, his numbers were okay. But he actually wasn't bowling that well. Um, his numbers were masking that. He got a couple of probably fortunate wickets. And Maxie pulled him aside and said, mate, I know you're taking wickets, but what's going wrong? You, you, you bowled better than this in the Big Bash. What have you changed? And they sat down and they worked out. And, you know, they had identified that Zampa was probably over-preparing. Um, last time he went to India, his career started to dip a little bit. And that started really fogging up his thought process. He was standing at the top of the mark. He was overthinking it. 
his mind was going back to, to when he struggled the last time he was in India. So Maxi just pulled him aside and said, well, what have you changed? And let's get you back to what you were doing in the Big Bash when you took 14 wickets for me at the Melbourne Stars. And, and they did. Zampa simplified it. And that's been his motto basically ever since, just to keep it really simple and not overthink it. And since then, he's been in magnificent touch. So, yeah, I thought that was a – I thought that that frank and that real hard, tough love from Maxi in that honest conversation is a, is a sign of just how tight this group is and also what an impressive young leader he's, he's evolved into. Yeah, I heard Ricky Ponting say that he thought this team had similar traits to some of the great teams he's played in the past with the atmosphere and, you know, a lot of noise and stuff. Well, you know, what have you seen over there and what have you heard? Uh, well, look, obviously, I haven't been around long enough to compare to what Ricky to Ricky Ponting's teams, but it, it is. I mean, it, it's easy to be nice and happy and loving when you're not playing games, and losing might change that. But my, right now, you, you couldn't fault them. I mean, as we said, Steve Smith was playing his guitar on the team bus. They are, they're all getting along. It is all happy days at the moment. So, uh, look, when the games start, it might get a little bit more challenging when blokes are missing out on selection and whatnot. That might test them a little bit more. But so far, they do look really tight. You know they're, they're happy to have a, a hard conversation with each other for the benefit of the team. Uh, it, it really is a, a really tight knit bunch. So yeah, that that is going into the first game. Things can change, but yeah, no no reason to be concerned right now. When there was obviously the potential with the two new boys coming back in. What else is going on? Any other gossip on the on the ground over there? Well, I think the big one. Look, I'm not sure how many listeners would be aware of Mohammed Shazar, but he's a big bludgeoning wicketkeeper from Afghanistan. I don't think he's going to play tomorrow night as we speak. So I think that's going to be a, a really really big loss for Afghanistan. He's sort of, without him, their batting loses a lot of their punch. I was actually in India during the T20 World Cup in 2016 and saw him smack 44 runs off 19 against South Africa. There are a lot of top edges that sailed over the sense for six in Mumbai. I think he hit five or six sixes, but it was just a, a whirlwind innings and it was just, he just he just threw the bat at everything and connected a few times. So if he misses, I think that is a big out, even though a few people might not be aware of exactly who he is. <laughs> and what about the sort of vibe in England just generally around this World Cup? I mean, normally they're obsessed with their soccer or football, as they call it, over there. Is the World Cup sort of cutting through that? Uh, I've got to be honest with you. No, no, it's, it's not. In fact, here's a perfect example. Um, England and South Africa is is underway, and I can't watch it. It's not on free to wear TV here. All the all the soccer or football is dominating all all the newspaper space. Still, it's sort of one or two pages of cricket towards the back of the sports section. Cricket really, it's it's just not a a widely popular game. If you if you're into it in England, you're really really into it. But otherwise, it, you, you sort of just past it which is i find fascinating oh it's bizarre i think even i think at the aussie hotel they might not have sky sports either so that the, all those boys will have to be watching on their laptops and their phones as well which is just staggering that you know i've got my girlfriend sitting at home able to watch it in 4k on on tv and i'm in england and, and can't have a look at the game so it is bizarre so that is a worry i guess that's why they're doing this stupid hundred ball competition mm. to get it on free-to-air television yep. and by the sounds of it it's much needed very good point you make there yeah now a couple more before i let you go sam i'm sure you've uh, got to head out to the training ground and inspect the aussies but 
you know, from what you've seen over there, do you think we'll see 500 in a, in a game by one team? Yeah, I do. I, I think the ground to get it at is going to be Taunton. I know Knotts has been spoken about heavily, but from the, the people I spoke to and the players that have played at Taunton, that, that, that one seems like the one to go. And Australia plays Pakistan there, I believe. So that's the game I've got my eye on as just watch out. This this could really explode. So, uh, look, you saw the West Indies post 421 in a warm-up game a couple of days ago against Trent Bolt's Kiwis. A pretty good attack there. So, yeah, I, I think we will get there. I think it'll happen early as well. I think as towards the back end of the tournament when the pressure rises and there's more on the line, scores might come down a little bit. Pitches might also start to, to break up a little bit as well or, or, or turn a little bit more. But early in the tournament, yeah, I think we'll get there. Well, what, what's your take? Do, do you think we will? And, and do you think it would be good for cricket? Yeah, I think it would be good for cricket because it'll generate a, a lot of headlines and, and people love that sort of big numbers when it comes to cricket, those massive stats. Yeah, and I, I think we'll go close to it. It's just you, you to score 500, you really need everything to go right for that 50 overs you're batting. Even England last year, you know, they looked set for 500 against the Aussies, but, you know, just a few slow overs sort of held them back. So I think it's a good chance um, and it'll be incredible when it happens. Mm, I mean, it's it's 10 and over for 50 overs. It's ridiculous. I mean, you know, only a few years ago, we would have been laughed at for for discussing that. But yeah, yeah, I think it's going to happen. I'm not sure it's it's so good for the game. I think the balance between bat and ball maybe needs to come in a little bit. But that said, these are really small grounds here. So if there's a place in the world to do it, England's a spot. Well, they've shifted the balance between the bat and ball from the last World Cup because in the last World Cup, you're only allowed four fielders outside the circle pretty much from the 11th over. Now you're allowed a fifth in the last 10. So they're just trying to redress that balance. But can you imagine it was the same rule as four years ago? We'd definitely see 500. Definitely. Yeah, it's a really good point you make as well. But it doesn't really matter how many fielders you've got out when you're hitting the ball into the stands, which is well, which is what we're going to see a lot of on these small grounds. All right, Sammy. Well, look, last one. Look, I'm getting a bit of uh, FOMO at the moment. I'm fear of missing out of the World Cup. So <laughs> can I sleep on the floor of your hotel room for the next four weeks? <laughs> yeah, I'll make it even better. You can have the bed and I'll go to the Ben Stokes nightclub. How does that sound? Well, why don't we just get one of those little trundle beds? You know, <laughs> I, I could almost fit in a cot. We could just get a cot and I'll just curl up there. You're very welcome to bunker this room, man. There's any time. <laughs> All right, Sammy, you have a good day and uh, we'll catch up next week. No worries. Thank you so much. Well, listeners, that was Sam Lamb. And you can keep up with all his great reporting from the UK at the dailytelegraph.com.au. You've been listening to Cricket Unfiltered. I'm your host, Andrew Menzel, and we'll be back soon with another podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.